A great philosopher of the internet once said, Always be yourself, unless you can be Batman. Always be Batman. While neither of us are Terry McGinnis and will likely never be Batman, we can live vicariously through him in his many comic adventures. Welcome to Bat Books for Beginners. Welcome to episode 131 of Bat Books for Beginners, the podcast that walks you through the storied history of Batman. My name's Dylan. And my name is John. Today we'll be covering Huntress, Cry for Blood. Which is a six-issue six issue miniseries uh, that follows on after the events of No Man's Land. Uh, we'll begin with our summary here. Batman confronts Helena, also known as the Huntress, about her cousin Claudio Panessa, an Italian mafia member, who was pulled from the Gotham River with one of Huntress's crossbow bolts in his chest. Helena claims to have been home grading papers, but Batman is still suspicious. He reminds her on the way out that he will take her down if, himself if she is lying. In a sepia-toned flashback, we are given the Bertinelli family history as Italian immigrants to Gotham who quickly rose to power and united the five mafia families in the Italian Mafia. This lasted for a while until the Panessas arrived. Tommaso Panessa tried for years to become the sixth family, but Helena's grandfather refused. Even when Helena's father married Tommaso's sister, the Bertinellis refused to allow the Panessas into the crime family. When Helena was eight, her family was murdered at the dinner table, but for some unknown reasons, she was spared. The Galante family took over as heads of the Italian Mafia and opened the books to the Panessas. After the tragedy, the Panessas cared for Helena, eventually sending her to Sicily to live with, her, with their relatives. Back to the events of the present, Helena heads to her uncle's house to pay her respects to her family. She does not stay very long, and as she is driving away, she nearly runs into the Question, who is standing in the middle of the road. When she angrily confronts him, he spouts some Zen proverb at her, and she takes off back to Gotham City. The next day, Dick and Babs talk about the Huntress case, and Dick says he's going to come to Gotham to talk to Helena. That evening, he visits Helena at her apartment, and they have an argument about no man's land. Helena still feels betrayed and abandoned by the Bat family, and she sends Dick away when he offers to help her. That night, Huntress visits a reporter who had been writing about her in the paper, only to find her dead with a crossbow bolt in her chest, and the police tipped off to the murder. She makes her way to the roof, where Batman is waiting for her with Nightwing not far behind. Huntress tries to escape, and accidentally shoots Batman in the side with one of her crossbow bolts. She's able to break free of the Nightwing's grip, and dives into the river below, where the question fishes her out. He knocks her out and takes her away from Gotham to a cabin in the woods. She wakes up to a strange man cleaning her costume and a cup of tea. As she is questioning the man, the question returns with some firewood, and after dinner he explains that Richard Dragon will teach Helena how to live. He convinces her to give Richard a chance, and she trains with him. While Huntress is training in the woods, we see Barbara help Tim with his investigation. Tim believes that Helena is being framed and wants to find out who is behind it. 
After three months, the question returns to the cabin, packs up Helena's bag, and begins hiking with her to the bus station. As they wait for the bus, he asks Helena how she became the huntress. We pick up where the previous flashback ended with Helena in Sicily. She was sent to live with Tommaso Panessa's family on the island. They welcomed her and gave her a room in their house. But she was tormented for three years with nightmares about the murders. One day her cousin Sal took her into the barn and offered to train her to fight. After four years of training, she was very good at fighting, both hand-to-hand and with a crossbow. She still didn't really understand what the Mafia did until her cousins were arrested and she was sent off to boarding school in Europe. Then she started researching and found out that her family's business found out what her family's business truly was. On a trip to Gotham, she saw the Batman attack her family and she got the idea to become the Huntress and terrorize the Mafia as they had terrorized her as a child. As she finishes her story, the bus arrives in Gotham and Helena heads back to her apartment. She opens the door to find Batman waiting for her. Batman admits to her that he wants to trust her, but she makes it hard. Of course, so does he. He tells her that he will give her room to work, but if she starts fighting the police, he will have to step in and stop her. Batman leaves, and within short succession, Robin arrives. He gives her a case file that he and Oracle put together, with as much detail as they could gather about Helena's life. He then leaves with Batman and Nightwing to let Huntress work on this by herself. She continues telling the question how she became the Huntress. After meeting the Batman, Helena went back to Sicily to the now-abandoned house and created her costume in the barn while studying the Mafia at a local university. When she felt like she had sufficiently prepared, she headed to Gotham to become the Huntress. She finishes the story by saying that she was able to kill the shooter and the man who hired him, but they didn't tell her who was ultimately responsible for the murders of her family. She asks Vic, who's the question, to check on the guy who was watching the building. He comes back with a phone number registered to Mario Casamento, the son of Don Casamento. Huntress suits up, and we see a photo of her mother with a man who is not her father. Huntress confronts Don Casamento in his home, and he reveals that he hired the hit on the Bertinellis. But the shooter left the wrong woman alive. He wanted her mother saved because he was in love with her. He also tells Helena that he is her father, not Franco Bertinelli. He continues in his brashness, knowing that if Huntress kills him, she will be unmasked and the family will kill her for her crimes against them. He tells Helena that he hates her because she has the life that Maria, her mother, was supposed to have. If only he had been more clear in the instructions to the killer. He blackmails Helena into working for him, threatening to unmask her if she fails to protect his business. He tells her that he will call when he has need of her services. Huntress pauses to think about the situation, and while she is figuring things out, Nightwing arrives. She asks him if if they knew, and he tells her that Batman ran the DNA, and it is true. Casamento is her father. He also tells her that Batman is trusting her to resolve this the right way. Back at home, Helena is still trying to figure out how she can deal with Don Casamento. She can't be direct, or she risks outing herself to her family, or the ire of Batman and the police. She sees the wedding invitation from her cousin, and an idea pops into her head. At the wedding, she goes to her uncle, the father of the bride, and whispers a request in his ear. He promises that he will make this happen, if at all possible, for his dear departed sister. That night, Helena attacks Mario and gets the details of the next heroin shipment before sending him out of town. Later that evening, she receives a call from Don Casamento demanding her services as his bodyguard when he goes to meet the shipment. At the dock, 
Don Casamento tells Huntress to watch at one of the skylights as he goes inside. Huntress proceeds to remove her costume and toss it in the river while we hear two shots from inside followed by police sirens. Tommaso Panessa will do time for killing Don Casamento while Helena disappears back into the city. The question asks, when will the killing be enough? And Helena responds that now it is enough. And that's the end of the story. So now we're moving on to our notes section where we discuss interesting facts that we found throughout the story. Uh, There's not a lot in this one, but I did want to bring up from last episode, uh, I did look up Huddleston afterwards, and he was indeed involved with Batman. So that was another nod in the previous story. Hiddleston? Like Tom Hiddleston? No. Loki? Huddleston. Not Loki. (laughs) Aw. All right, so uh, going with our notes uh, section, in the first issue we are told the term omerta. It is a cultural expression and code of honor that places legitimate importance on a deep-rooted family sense of code of silence, non-aggravation with the authorities, and non-interference in the legal actions of others. It originated and remains very common in Corsica and southern Italy. Now, this is the, the Wikipedia definition of omerta, and we're given in that first episode, that or first issue of this story, that Huntress doesn't agree with that definition. Uh, her definition of omerta was basically that you can't count on justice or vengeance from authority figures. You have to do it yourself. And we're given a little bit of a history lesson there as well in a discussion of Sicily, how it was invaded several times and kind of, you know, has never has always been under the control of, of other conquering nations and authorities. So, by Huntress's definition, is more uh, akin to the government's corrupt. We have to take care of our, t- take care of our own and take care of our own problems. Yeah. So it was kind of a I was, don't know a, a changed definition of omerta. I wouldn't say so much changed as you know modified and given historical context. Uh, she basically said in 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 her monologue that omerta is not what you're going to find if you look it up, which is what we read. Oh, okay. Yeah. I missed that. Yeah, it, 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 I didn't quite understand it till I looked up the definition of omerta and then re- reread that because I didn't know the definition of o- omerta going into it. If you had, you, you probably would have caught it right away because she, she definitely was saying that it's not what you're going to find when you look it up like in the dictionary, which is kind of interesting because I'm assuming the, the writer, um, Greg Rucka, knew the definition of omerta and wanted to kind of make his own thing, so he purposely wrote it in as... As basically, it's not what what you think it is. This is what it is. So speaking of uh, his own making it his own thing, Costa uh, Costa Nostra is another name for the Sicilian mafia. It translates into our, our thing. thing. So it's uh, kind of funny that you phrase it that way. You don't think I did that on purpose? I <laughs> no, I don't believe you did that on purpose, of John. Of course, I did that on purpose. <laughs> Uh, in issue two, the only other note that we have here is Oracle has quite an attitude with Dick when he says that he needs to talk to Huntress, and uh, it didn't really fit for a talking point, I don't feel, but that's some definite fallout from No Man's Land. And, of course, in No Man's Land, uh, while basically you know rescuing uh, Babs and, or, uh, and Huntress, Dick is kissed by Huntress, and I think that's probably, you know, at, at this point... Babs and Nightwing have something of a romantic relationship going on, so she might be a little jealous of that kiss or something. 
So that, that was the last note piece that we had there. We'll jump right into our talking points, and we'll, of course, start with the bad things. All right, the first thing is Santo Casamento's motivation. So, of course, you know, we're given the he hates Huntress, he hates Helena because she is living the life that was meant for her mother, that uh, Casamento, you know, who was, of course, in love with uh, Helena's mother. Maria. Maria. He, you know, he wanted to have, live a life with her, and it was, Helena's very existence is an affront to him because she's alive when Maria is dead. The, a big question that's left open then is for Casamento: Why did he leave Helena alive? Now, I, I could speculate on that. That at this point, she had been shipped off to Sicily. She's under the protection of the uh, this other family. And it, there's basically no way that he can cleanly, you know, kill her. I don't know. I think he had plenty of opportunity to cleanly kill her. I mean, even before she was sent off, there probably would have been a chance to have the the killer go back and finish the job. I mean, I don't think immediately she was surrounded by armed, armed guards by uh, her remaining family, the, the Panessas. So I, I feel like even before she got shipped to Sicily, there would have been plenty of time, uh, maybe not in Sicily since she was on the farm or the the living situation of, of that particular family. But then you've got the point where she was sent to a boarding school in Europe. You've got the point where that family's incarcerated and she's the only person on the farm. You've got plenty of points in there where he could have finished the job. So I don't I don't buy the buy that. Uh, and that's a good point right there. That's very true. I hadn't thought of that. Um, and I agree with you there. And the other thing we have under this is the uh, quote-unquote mistake in giving the orders. You think someone like the uh, like Casamento, the Don, basically at this point, the Godfather, would be more clear in his orders and more precise. It seems really silly to have a quote-unquote mistake of that caliber. Yeah, basically the way that it was written was he said, "Leave the sister alive." He meant um, the Panessa sister, but the Maria, Maria. But he, he, what the killer ended up doing was leaving the child sister alive, which was Helena. So yeah, it, it seems to me if you're going to be that, if you're going to change the orders like he did, why not you just say leave the wife alive? I mean, it. it yeah, it seems like a really simple, silly mistake for someone of that you know caliber of, of mind and leadership to make right so that was that was one of the things that i didn't enjoy out of this story now you you also didn't enjoy uh in huntress's origin story that uh helena was a child of infidelity to this other mobster yeah now the most of the origin story i was absolutely okay with so let's let's start with that and then we'll talk about the the part that i didn't like so being of of a mafia family um, showing the history of, of the Bertinellis and, and how they became to be the crime uh, family leaders in Gotham. I liked that part. I thought that was good. What I didn't care for was, yeah, the, the what we get later in the story, because there's about three different flashbacks or, or tellings of the past. So the last one we get there with her and Don uh, Casamento, where he's telling her that she's a child of infidelity, um, between him and his mother, I, I just really didn't like that part. It didn't add anything to the story, I didn't feel. See, I disagree with you there. Uh, I, I thought it, it added to the story. It added uh, dramatic tension to the story, and it's one of those 
a little bit uh, daytime soapish thing going on there. Very. But I thought, you know, for the back dealing and underhanded dealings that the Mafia was doing, it added a nice little touch of dramatic tension and uh, it was a big reveal, although not that big because she was still a Mafia family member, you know, a child of the Mafia. But you know, it still added something. I thought it added that dramatic tension. For this particular story, it maybe added a little bit. But if you look at the overall narrative, what does this add? Yeah, for the overall narrative, it doesn't really. Um, although we did get some, some hopefully lasting effects at the end of the story. But it, it could be that the it, it is what contributed to Helena becoming less lethal. And becoming more part of the Bat family at the end of this story. Less lethal? Well, I think we will talk about that at, at the end of our discussion points. But that's an interesting theory that I hadn't considered. So we'll, we'll come back to that. I didn't like that. I mean, we kind of talked about this when we were talking about uh, Don Casamento's motivation. But I didn't like that she was left alive due to an accident. I agree with you there. Um, not because the man ordering the hit was her father and wanted her saved. That seemed like a more logical and, reason that she would have been spared. And it very well could have been a, uh, a a showing of much more sound reasoning and tactical mindness of he's going to utilize her, he's going to allow her to be sent off with this where this family of assassins lives, basically, to get trained up and then utilize her in the future. Exactly. I think that would have made this portion of her origin story mean something if... He had intended for her to be spared, and he had intended for her to join his part, his family and be a part of, of the mafia and be his protector, bodyguard, not blackmailed her into it, but like treated her like an actual welcomed daughter. I agree with that. That would have been, I think, a much better uh, motivation for the character. All right, so that ends our bad things. Not a whole lot of bad points on this one. Now we get to move on to our good points. One of the things that both John and I are big on is consistency in storytelling. And here we get some fallout from No Man's Land, where uh, we have the Huntress confronting Dick Grayson, Nightwing, for not helping her out during No Man's Land. And the whole situation that went down where it was the Bat family versus Huntress, who was working for the militaristic... Militant. Militant, militaristic uh, lieutenant. Yeah, definitely. I mean, she felt like a lone wolf kind of kicked out of the club, and that's why she went with him, but she's still kind of holding that against everyone. Yeah, and and you do see a lot of fallout from No Man's Land, even like the way Batman and Huntress interact, the way Dick Grayson and Barbara Gordon interact, the way Dick Grayson and Huntress interact, like we said. So it is cool to see some consistency in the storytelling and that kind of fallout that's still lingering. Yeah, I mean, the only person in this story that really didn't didn't overtly have any kind of fallout was Tim. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but even then, he's in Brentwood, which is, I don't know, I don't know if he was there before No Man's Land, but it seems to me like the events of No Man's Land are going to keep his father out of Gotham for a while. So even there, there's probably some fallout. Probably. The next one is, uh, in the good points we have, is the relationship between Huntress and Batman. Now, metaphorically speaking, Batman acts very much as a father figure to her. And this was brought up by the question after hearing her tale about seeing the Batman when she was visiting Gotham as a teenager. So even though 
Helena Bertinelli is still very much an adult. She's a full-time teacher on the side, or was at the beginning of the story. She loses her job at the end when she goes to... Uh, well, she left for three months. Yeah, she left for three months to train with uh, Richard Dragon. And and it wasn't the summer. And it wasn't, you know, summer break. So, yeah, uh, she uh, she loses her job. But she, she still seeks Batman's approval as a father figure while trying to rebel from his rules and his standards that he upholds. Seeking to do a much more final way of dealing with crime. I, I'm not so sure though uh, that and may, maybe this is something we should save to that last discussion point as well. I'm not so sure she seeks out killing. I think it just no, she doesn't necessarily seek out killing, but she's willing, to, very much willing to use killing in her methods. Yeah, there's there's a difference. It's not there, like though. she's like uh going on these Rambo-esque rampages. Yeah. It's, but it is very much she's willing to put a crossbow bolt in a guy's chest and that's why she was suspect at the very beginning of the story. Agreed. Agreed. So, did you like the the sort of interesting twist here when you factor in that in some iterations the huntress is actually Bruce's daughter? In New 52, I believe she's somehow related to Bruce. Earth in Earth 2, she's Bruce Wayne's daughter. And that is kind of an interesting take on the character. And it's kind of interesting to see how that develops when she's you know, not a mafia daughter, per se, but a Wayne daughter. Well, and in New 52, I believe that she's only in Earth 2. So it's only that version of oh, Huntress. Wow. I don't think they've introduced her in, in Earth 1. I hadn't caught up on that. That's, that seems like a, a misstep there. I could be wrong, but I yeah. don't think they've introduced her in Earth 1 in uh, New 52. Fair enough. The next thing we have is Batman creates other heroes and villains. Example led Helena to become a uh, huntress. So Batman busting in, beating up criminals and what have you. She was inspired by Batman. Of course, you know, we have the historical sons of Bruce you know, all the Robins of the past who've gone on to do their own thing. It's only, only one of which is an actual son of Bruce. Well, yes, but you know what I mean there. Pretty much, they're pretty much the son of Bruce. Yeah, Br- the Wards. The Wards. One yeah. is, only one is an actual Ward. Burt Ward? Burt Ward. <laughs> yes, that was great right there. That, that, that's a pun I can approve of. Um, <laughs> dang it. Um, <laughs> I, okay. Let me get back on track now here. Now that I've completely flustered Bill. Yeah, now that he's punned me to death. You have these, of course, uh, Tim Drake, who went on to become Red Robin. You have Dick Grayson, who went on to become Nightwing, as he is now. And now Agent Grayson in the current iteration. You had... Well, you have the several Batgirls. Several Batgirls. Uh, you have Jason Todd, who's now Red Hood, but he's kind of an anti-hero kind of hero. I think I think that may be the reason why we also don't have Huntress in Earth One, the New Fifty Two, because Jason Todd kind of provides that same role. Yeah, pretty much. He he's the more lethal version. The lethal Robin. The lethal Robin. The killer Robin. Of course, you have Damian Wayne, who's is he Robin currently? Uh yeah, he's back. Okay, cool. And doesn't he have superpowers now? Yes, he I don't want to get too far off talk, but yeah, Damian Wayne now has superpowers. So, yeah, you have all the Sons of Bruce. You have the various Batgirls and Batwomen. And now you have Helena as the, you know, next daughter. And that's just the hero side. And, well, Asriel as well. Oh, yeah, Asriel. I almost forgot about him. He's inspired by Bruce, although he kind of had his own thing going on. Then he comes back and during No Man's Land. 
And, of course, then you have all the villains that he's inspired. Yeah, this is one where it's maybe a little more gray as far as Batman's actual involvement. Like, certain villains, yes. But some of them would probably have have come up on their own whether whether or not Batman was there. Um, Hush. Hush is directly influenced by Bruce, what happened to Bruce Wayne as a child. And that's a preview because we'll eventually be covering that story. So. Um you know, then you have the Joker, who arguably, depending on the the storytelling and the version of Joker, is either directly caused by Batman dumping him in that tub of chemicals, boiling chemicals, or he's inspired by Batman, or you know what have you, obsessed in some form or fashion. Yes. So there's a slew of uh, villains that are, like you said, gray area, John, or you know more direct, but mostly heroes. Yeah, and that's something that we may uh, come back to on a story where one particular villain says something that makes us uh, believe that they're inspired. They they were inspired by the Batman's presence, so that's something we can revisit occasionally. Um, the last thing that we wanted to talk to, and this is the part I think we'll get the best discussion out of, is Huntress's method of handling her situation. So, first question is, was it the right way to handle it? In so much as question mark are you asking me a question yes and so much as what best way of handling having uh the uncle the mafia uncle kill the the dad well basically so she was kind of backed into a corner yeah i'm just talking about that in, the ending of okay the, the ending yes um uh, she's basically backed into a corner and so she doesn't have a lot of options because as i mentioned in the summary direct involvement is likely going to get her outed and either taken down by Batman, taken down by the police, or taken down by her family. Yeah, she can't fight the police because Batman will step in. She can't fight Batman because he's the good guy and she's trying to do the the good guy thing. And she can't, you know, openly and outwardly r- wage a war on the father who's blackmailing her because then he's just going to reveal her identity and she's going to have every mobster, you know, this side of Gotham on her tail. Well, even if she kills him so he can't reveal it, she's still going to get outed to the family, is the implication. Yes, it, it's implied that he has a safeguard against her just popping a cap in him. So, I mean, realistically, what else sh- could she do? Yeah, I I would definitely agree with that. I, it, mean, it, I think she it, kind of had very little choice in the matter unless she wanted to try and play that double life of... Being, trying to be a hero, but also having to help out Don Casamento because he holds this weight over her. Triple life. And be, have a civilian identity. Yeah, but that... That's lesser. Lesser in this case, especially since she's lost her job. Yeah. Well, so the question, the, the, the key phrase in that, or key word in that is right. She, Batman forbade her from killing just about. He's um, He didn't out and out say... You can't kill, but it's pretty much implied because it's the freaking Batman. So she can't put a bolt in him. She can't, you know, have him swept up by the cops or what have you, as we mentioned. So it comes down to she has to have him executed in a mafia cell. So is it necessarily the moral thing to do? The moral thing would be put him on trial and have her identity exposed and basically end her career as a crime fighter. The right for Huntress and right for Helena is what she did so yeah i mean i have to say yeah well i don't think the moral thing is as simple as even that even if she was if if she were able to get don casamento into a trial and out herself and all that 
she's still going to get retribution from the family for things that she's done. Oh, exactly. And that's what I'm saying is there's no way she gets away from this scot-free unless she goes about the way she did. She had to have a murder happen in her name, basically. She had to have a murder happen in her name, in her... By by not necessarily by her hand, but by her request of action. Well, the the way she handled it, it's by Helena's name, not by Huntress's name. True. So, so that she she did have a way of getting Huntress out of the picture. But is that worse? Because now she as I mean, you know, it's not so much she's indebted to the mob because this is one of those special scenario, the Godfather scenario, basically. You know, it's one of those things where. She, well, you know, it's not even bad. It's it's kind of bad because it's done in Helena's name. If it's done in Huntress's name, Batman could be like, okay, you had a murder done, but at least your civilian identity is somewhat unbesmirched. Now your civilian identity has this stain on it. Huntress was already stained with blood. So, yeah, that that's an interesting point. So, I, I guess we'll skip the next, we'll do the, these two out of order. So, then we'll go to the third one here. Would Batman approve or accept this way of handling it? Exactly. How can Batman accept that Helena has had someone killed? Well, approve, I think, is a pretty straightforward no. <laughs> yeah. Um, accept is another thing entirely. Well, the, the, the question there is, does Batman know? Does Batman know how she dealt with it? He's going to have questions, I'm sure. He's he's going to be able to find out. It's not that hard to track down that Helena went to the wedding, asked her uncle a favor. Her uncle then goes and kills somebody and gets arrested. And that's assuming Batman didn't have surveillance on her. Yeah, he may already know, but <laughs> I, even if he has to do a, a modicum of detective work, this is not hard detective work. And it's Batman. Right, so he's going to know that Helena is the the catalyst to this. Helena, not not Huntress. Yeah, so and that goes back to my statement. Is it better to have the stain on an already stained name, or is it better to have... You think Helena Bertinelli is an unstained name? Well, not necessarily. Well, yeah, because she hasn't actually committed any murders or anything under Helena Bertinelli, to our knowledge. But the name Bertinelli oh, no, is the name synonymous Bertinelli with is the stained. mafia. Yeah, yeah, Bertinelli is a, a tarnished name. So I don't think it makes it any worse for her. Probably not, you know. It, it, it gets her away from... It, it doesn't necessarily do away with her mob connection, but definitely distance her, distances her a little bit from her mob connection. How, no, I think it strengthens her mob connection. Well, she, she asked. She no longer has her father in the mob. He's dead. But she, to the, everyone else besides Helena and a couple other people, they don't know that that was her father. True. That's so, a good point right there. I think it strengthens her, her mafia connections because she went to her uncle and then her uncle went and killed somebody and, and is going to do some time for it. So it, it connects her back to the mafia that maybe she had... Pers- other than name, no longer really been connected to because she was a child with the name Bertinelli and then she hasn't really done anything within the mafia circle since. Well, but the uncle's not going to talk. That's that's one point to remember is he's not going to talk. So the only people who know that she had, that Helena had her father, her quote-unquote father killed are her and the uncle. And other people in the mafia that can put two and two together from... From the wedding. Well, yeah, but what reason would Helena have, from the outsider perspective, what reason would Helena have to have the the uh, 
mafia guy killed. I mean, I'm not saying a lot of people will know. Yeah, and that's what my... I mean, I'm saying not... I don't even think... Because it's a secret... It's a request that's kept in secret, supposedly. So... I don't know. It, 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 sounds, it seems to me like the only people who know that that she was his daughter and the only people who know that the uncle killed the father you know, are Helena. I'm pretty sure Mario could figure it out. Probably. Mario was there at the wedding and he's the son of Don Ca- Casamento and Hunter scared him away and then while he was scared away, his father was killed. That's a I good think point. he can that's put two point. and two together. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, so, Huntress is responsible for... To, to him, then, Huntress is responsible for the... Uh, yeah, he probably thinks Huntress is responsible, which... Which means... Maybe or... Well, he may or may not tie Huntress to, to Helena from the wedding. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. We're, I'm, I'm making the assumption, at least, that Helena isn't tied to the Huntress in anybody else's eyes. In the Mafia. In the Mafia, yes. Yeah, true. that that is highly possible. But I'm saying there's enough there that Mario, although he doesn't seem like the brightest person in the world... <laughs> true. Um, there is enough there that if he wanted to, he could probably figure it out. Very true. But I, I don't think he will. You know, obviously for character development and keeping the character around, it wouldn't, wouldn't suit them to have Huntress figured out, at least for a few stories. Okay, so we've sort of determined that... We ran that one into the ground. We've sort of determined that there aren't really many people who would associate Helena with the, with the Mafia based on w- the pieces of information that they would gather. So maybe she's still okay as her Helena pers- persona um, outside of Bruce and Nightwing. The Bat and, family. Yeah, outside of the Bat family. So would Batman accept this way of handling it? That, that goes back to that original question that I was dodging. <laughs> um, he'd have no option to, I don't think, because the there is no like we've said. The only other option is for her to expose herself to the point of not being able to function. And while Bruce definitely has a very high strict moral code, is it better to have a soldier out of the fight, or to you know maybe compromise your your morals and values and that's a hard question i don't i can't you know what thinking about it i don't know if there is a good answer to that question i mean hopefully we see going forward how bruce responds to this um and and we do get actual answers my thinking is that he probably will distance himself from huntress again and she'll go back to being the lone wolf and while it's slightly interesting this whole like kind of sort of not really a part of the Bat family on the fringe thing, it gets old pretty fast for me. I, I kind of like would like it if they went one way or the other with it, like either made her a part of the Bat family and made her less lethal. I mean, kind of akin to uh, if you if you want to borrow a, an, uh, a TV example, what happened in season two of Arrow where he, he chose not to kill anymore. And so he, he kind of went from being a uh, huntressy vigilante type to being more of a, a Batman type where he's, he still uses things that could be lethal but in a non-lethal way. Well, and I, I have to think that they made her less lethal because she becomes a member of the Birds of Prey team and all that going forward. I, I think it depends on how many stories they can tell with her on the fringe. If it, is it a gimmick or is it a storytelling device? And to me, it sounds like you're saying it to you, it feels like a gimmick more than anything. I think you hit on exactly the right thing there. How many stories can they tell in this narrow 
space of it's a very of on narrow the spectrum. Yeah, there, I don't think there's a lot there that you can really tell that have any true meaning because uh, to have really true meaning, they have to go somewhere, and to go somewhere is either to go towards Batman or away from Batman. Otherwise, and she I don't just walks like the, the line. I don't like this going towards Batman for one story, then re- undo everything, go away from Batman, re- go back towards like kind of like a zigzag uh, over, across this line. I don't like the, how those, that type of storytelling. Because she's mine. I walk the line. Oh, good God. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, I think it, it becomes an interesting thing. I, and, it, yeah, very much it depends on her being able to remain relevant and interesting and the writers being able to keep her relevant and interesting while walking this line. Of course, antiheroes have a great and storied history, and antiheroes have their own appeal and draw. But if you have someone who's constantly weaving back and forth, it just comes off as wishy-washy and uncertain, and it gets old very quickly. I, I definitely agree. And I'm not so sure. I mean, we've we've covered a few antiheroes um, on our other podcast, uh, our Reactions podcast, and I don't think I liked really any of those stories so i'm not so sure that that i like the anti-hero archetype i mean for me it depends on the 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 character depends on the story being told i like quite a few uh anti-heroes it's just characters that i enjoy but yeah it it can get very wearisome if they don't go somewhere deadpool's a great example they did stuff with deadpool they they took him way out into the beyond the pale bizarre and goofiness they took him to more serious where he becomes a more serious characters and does some serious things, like when he's doing his X-Force run. So if you tell great stories with a the character, then yeah. But like the Punisher story we covered, neither of us enjoyed it because it just felt pointless. It felt ignorant or dumb, rather. It didn't go anywhere. Yeah, so I, I'm going to hold off my overall opinion on, on anti-heroes until I read <laughs> a few more. But so far, what I've, what I've experienced with anti-heroes, I'm not too thrilled with the the archetype um so was this fitting for the roots of the character this particular ending to the story you know i think so it definitely ties back to the whole mob connection and asking like i said i made the godfather reference where you know you're asking for a favor on the day of of the dawn daughter's wedding type deal but uh yeah i think it's fitting it ties it all together in a nice neat little package see i don't I don't know. Like, I don't have enough of a history with the character of the Huntress to really know. Like, it seemed to me this was the introduction of her mafia roots. I I don't know for sure. But it just it just didn't strike me in what we've seen with the character in the past that she really is of a mafia mindset and mafia roots. Well, I think it's a constant battle for her to not be of that mafia mindset, to battle that mafia mindset while battling the mafia. As Nietzsche said... To paraphrase, of course, when battling monsters, ensure you, you yourself don't become one. Is that Frederick Nietzsche? Nietzsche, yeah. Nietzsche, Nietzsche. I've mm. heard Nietzsche. I, I... I, you know, Nietzsche's probably the correct pronunciation. But yeah, so it, it very much could be she's trying to get away from those roots, but constantly battling against them. I mean, given what we're given in the story, that that was kind of redundant, um... But <laughs> since we're told in the story of her mafia past, it, it does seem fitting for how someone who has mafia connections would handle a difficult situation like that. But I'm not so sure that that's a direction 
I really want to see the character go. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, and like we said, it it all depends on where they take her after this story. Do they keep going with the whole fighting the mafia while combating being mafia herself or using her mafia ties against the mafia type deal? I mean, you think so- pretty soon they would they would realize that they're being used by the hunters and she would get outed. So, yeah, we're talking the mafia, an organization that's been around hundreds of years. They're not exactly, you know, Dummies? Dummies, exactly. There's a reason they've been in in function for hundreds of years. Um, Okay, so the last point here. So you say it's fitting. I'm not certain. But the last point here. uh, Are we to believe she was retiring from crime fighting by ditching the costume in the river? I don't believe so. I mean, if you just take this without any future context, which is what we kind of have to do when discussing this point, it very well could be. It is a Batman book. So it's not like it's in the Huntress book and you don't have, you know, next issue on the Huntress. Well, it's a, it's a miniseries. Yeah, it's a miniseries. But I, it could be, I took it, you know, just reading it and trying to read it without, you know, all the future knowledge and having read stuff after and knowing the, the character doesn't just go away before the New 52 happens. That she was ending her violent streak. And I don't know if she was going to go to Batman and, and ask to become uh, Batman girl or Batwoman yet. She was Batgirl in No Man's Land, right? At the very beginning. At the beginning. very beginning. Yeah, she she could be at code him and asked to take a Bat title and work under his purview. But, you know, that's a good point that I hadn't thought of is she it, it appears like she's throwing away her costume. She throws away her cross. Is it she's throwing away her violent past and, and becoming Helena or is she giving up the, you know, just completely becoming Helena and just doing away with the Huntress and trying to build her life as a civilian. Yeah, I, as you said, we kind of know going forward, and even if we didn't know going forward, you can kind of assume a character that's been that used as of the time of the, the miniseries, they're probably not going to retire it, so it's probably not the end of the character, but we the the symbolism and, and the the images that were given at the end of the story do very much look like she is at least ditching that persona and maybe going to either start a new one or lay low for a while. Um, maybe try and get people to forget about what had happened. Um, you know, she didn't do anything to clear her name. No, she definitely didn't. You know, so Huntress is still kind of hunted. And we see in the papers by the newspaper writer who Helena remarks is mobbed up and we later see, you know, murdered when Helena goes to investigate her. There is very much in that, in the lexicon, the view of the Huntress as this crazy, bad 90s gun-wielding murderer rampager. Yeah, the, the, I don't think the public would, knows, I mean, honestly, with that reporter who wrote the story then being killed and being, being framed on the Huntress... Yeah, Even that worse. just cements that in the public's mind. So Yeah, so if nothing else, she very much would have to ditch that, at least to lay low for a while. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see with future stories. I'm not sure how soon we'll get to those. What becomes of her? Agreed. I mean, we know going from 2000 to now what becomes of her, but directly <laughs> following this, um, I'm, I'm, I don't know. Me either. So, John, on the given the rating, you know the rating system we use. What did you think? Um, I mean, it was decent. 
it had quite a few pitfalls for me. So I I would say probably three out of five batterings. I do the same as you. I agree completely. It was it definitely had some cool stuff going on, but it definitely had a lot of goofy stuff that didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, I also give it a three out of five batterings. All right, so that gives our combined score, which I think we've matched almost every single time. I think we've been like close. A half half battering off. Yeah. Um, combined score of three out of five batterings for uh, Huntress Cry for Blood. Let's give the credits for the story. Very simple credits. It's a mini series. Went from June to November of 2000, six issues. It was written by Greg Rucka. Artist Rick Burchett. And the editors were Joseph Illich, who was the associate, mm-hmm. and Dennis O'Neill. Was the, the main editor. So if you would like to leave us comments about this story or uh, future stories or any of the stories we've done in the past, please go to the page on the batmanuniverse.net and leave comments there so we can include them in a, in a future episode. While on the batmanuniverse.net, check out some of the other podcasts like the Comics Cast, Batgirl to Oracle, Everybody Loves the Drake. They're doing uh, Gotham episode recaps on there, although it's the season's over now, so they probably aren't doing them right now. But you can check back on the first season of Gotham and, and listen to those uh, episodes about the, that TV show. And you'll probably learn a lot because there's probably a ton of Easter eggs that you missed. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure I didn't catch everything watching the show. Same. If you'd like to hear more of the, the commentary that we do, we have our podcast that we mentioned briefly in the episode, which you can find at arcreactionspodcast.blogspot.com. And you can uh, check out some of our other uh, comic book stories there. 